0: So I want to thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, your host. But before we get into our guest conversation today, I'm changing things up. I have been speaking to so many people out there that are aspiring leaders and also the leaders of today to gain some of their insights so I can share them with you. And this person I spoke to, I am so grateful to have known them. They shared a few things that I want to share with you in case You don't have a support system. Some of these insights may actually help you. And you've heard me say this, but they said a mentor is invaluable to have your back and guide you along the way. They also said timing is everything. Be ready for the opportunity. And when the opportunities come up, don't self-select out and say, oh, you're not ready or you don't have everything because somebody sees the potential in yourself. You need to see it in yourself as well. But in addition, You need to spend some time with yourself and understand who are you and where are you going? Because once you know what you want, you can now set the intention. And when you show intention about what you're doing, the world will recognize it and they will present you with the opportunity. But his last piece of advice was really amazing was look around you. Find the leaders that are strong and resonate with your value and lean into their style. Because once you start behaving like them, again, don't lose yourself in your own style, but lean into what you perceive as strong leadership. It will help you to evolve as well. So those are just a few tips from somebody that I have had the pleasure to speak with. But also, if you do not have a support system, I could be that support system for you. We do have the Drop-In C-Suite Academy, meant to help the aspiring C-Suite leaders of tomorrow build your confidence so you can reach your career goals. But with that, I also am so excited to introduce to you Joel Anishak, who talks about the importance of investing in frontline leadership, the people so close to your clients or customers We need to do more for them. And I'm so grateful that Joel and his company is doing that purposeful work. Let's listen.
1: I would say most people would intuitively go the direction of the front lines. Like, What kind of culture needs to exist to the front lines now? What we see time and time again is that the culture we need is a strong leadership team. A lot of things can be forgiven if your leadership team is strong. And if that leadership team at the corporate level believes in the message that we're offering, believes in the purpose that, for example, people are your most important asset in your company and that your people should be invested into, that your people must be invested into, and it's not an option, but a requirement. Being an employer of choice means cultivating employees of choice. If that is the mindset of that team, that's kind of the linchpin thing that we need to find first. Once we have that, then we need to be able to tie a strong, what's-in-it-for-me answer to a problem that's being experienced at the front lines of the organization. No employee shows up to work to do a bad job. No one shows up to lose. No one shows up to have a bad day.
0: Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello. And as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I am grateful you've joined us for another episode of the podcast where I have the distinct pleasure of speaking to amazing leaders to share their insights with you. And if you do like this program, please subscribe, rate, review, tell others. I am so grateful for all the downloads we're getting because it tells me that this content is so valuable. And so now I am honored to share the mic, With my fantastic guest Joel Anishek, Joel is the co-founder and chief sales officer for Unison. Unison exists to enable their customers to achieve superior business outcomes as a result of bringing consistency to frontline leadership and engaging every employee, everywhere and every day. And having been deeply involved in over 100 successful digital transformation and culture change initiatives in his career. Joel is relentlessly driven to help frontline organizations unlock the latent potential of fully engaged and empowered frontline associates. I can't wait to get into this interview. Joel, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's good to see you.
0: And, and likewise, and thank you so much. And a big shout out to Adam Kroener, who introduced us. I am grateful for the network having us introduce and I am so grateful for the work that you're doing and I'm gonna learn a lot with our listeners. And for my listeners, I came to know Joel because of his work with frontline workers. And as many as of you know, I have worked extensively in manufacturing and operations. And I have keenly been aware that the work of the people closest to your clients or customers are critical. And we have to make sure they have the tools to be successful. So I'm grateful to learn more about the work that Joel does and Please tell us more about yourself personally and a bit about your journey and how did you arrive at the work that you're doing now?
1: Thanks, Deb. Yeah, it's been a funny story of how I ended up doing what I'm doing now. And I'll keep it concise, obviously, for today. But long story short, I'm kind of the last person who I ever thought would be in the business world. I am very, very interested in just people and making personal connections. And I thought my psychology degree in college years and years ago would be be the thing that spurned me on to you know, being in counseling roles or in therapist roles, things like that. But you know it's funny how, how the, the world has a different plan for you sometimes. And I found that the common thread throughout all the, the jobs I had, whether they were in sales or they were in the advertising world I was in for a while or whatever it may be, psychology as an undergrad, the common thread was I just cared for people. And I want to understand their stories. I want to understand the things that they needed to make their lives better. And I've kind of lived by the motto of leave people better than you found them. And I think that's an orienting principle that is kind of it's not only personal, but it's professional as well. And so that led me into a variety of things that I never expected to be doing. I started my outside sales career 10, 12 years ago in uh, selling body shop software, of all things. I can't change my own oil. I am not a handy person. So, for me, consulting body shop owners how to be more productive and efficient and profitable was mind boggling to me at the time. But I did very well and ended up moving to a company called Red Zone Production Systems and Red Zone Production Systems, phenomenal company on its way to being a unicorn. I joined them as employee like 30, 35. So, it was very, very exciting to get in early. And that's where I really cut my teeth on transformation and really investing in culture change and digital enablement and things like that, predominantly in the food beverage and CPG manufacturing world. And so I had the the privilege of working alongside some of the biggest brands in the world, and uh, and some smaller ones as well. Uh, And like like you mentioned in your intro, over a 100 of those digital transformations, you know, to the tune of probably $300 million in value for my clients over the years. And so that was really impactful. And that led me ultimately last year to co-found the company Unison that you mentioned earlier, with several people way smarter and way more, I would say, distinguished than myself in the, in the business world, C-suite executives from Fortune 500 companies from their past lives to take the same principles of digital enablement, take the same principles of engaging the frontline employed to work their best, to be their best, to love what they do, to connect and collaborate and communicate in teams and take that whole idea and move it into the service industry, into the frontline worlds that were not something that Red Zone was tackling, but I knew had a huge opportunity to be very powerfully impacted. And so that's what we're doing now. Hospitality, healthcare, retail, the food service, anyone whose frontline employees are impacting that customer at the moment of truth, they are the brand. We are very passionate about working with them.
0: So I am so grateful for the work that you do. Even as a consumer myself, I will go into one fast food place food service industry for which the employees don't smile They deliver the product or service. It is simply a transaction to those that when you show up, they greet you, their technology is working, please and thank you, and it's a wonderful experience versus a transaction. And so that is a key difference for which brand loyalty can be made between them and a consumer. They may have a transaction once, but they may won't have loyalty and many transactions to follow. So, so value that. Another thing you said, oh my, when you talk about one of the things that you sincerely care about are the people and leaving them in a better place. So that's why it aligns so much with me because in my brand, not only do I go in and solve a business problem, we're going to get into what the business problem is that you solve, but I also leave a lasting impact. You want to elevate the capability and the confidence of the people so that they can sustain the work that you've done, the transformation, et cetera. So that's why you're on the show. (laughs) (laughs) But I really, really want to know more about what is it that Unison actually delivers, and also what problem is it solving? I really, I'm very curious because I want to be an advocate for the work that you do.
1: Well, thank you for asking. And you know, the the problem ultimately that we are looking at tackling is the evergreen now problem of employee engagement and and empowerment that leads employees of choice. You know, we hear about the employers of choice phrase a lot. But a lot of organizations have spent a lot of time investing in programs or initiatives or incentives to bring people in the door, but haven't done much with them once they're in the door. And we, tr- we truly believe that the only way to transform a company into an employer of choice is to stop the hemorrhage, stop the bleed out the other end of employees leaving, and create the environment, the culture where those existing employees are cultivated or are invested into and they become employees of choice. We're not about attracting, just, just attracting and retaining the best employees in the market. We're about investing into our existing employees and seeing their latent potential be unlocked. And so that's, that's what we're really, we're really passionate about doing.
0: So what is the potential client that leverages your services? What's their mindset? Where do they need to be in their journey? Are they, when they think they need your solution to build this engine of employee engagement and employee of choice, are they in a place of crisis or are they keenly aware in order to sustain or grow? They need to leverage the culture, the technology, the services. Where are they at? What, what are they at right now?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that in a moment. I'll give you a little bit of background because I think it's important to realize there's there's four key pieces of our our unison enablement system, as we call it. There's employee communications or unison communications. There's unison resources. There's unison huddles. And there's unison insights. Those four unison enablements in our overall system are generally speaking lacking in the customers that we are speaking with and working with. And what I mean by that is there's a clay layer in most large organizations of middle management where the messages, the vision, the purpose, the values that are being espoused at the top tend to get kind of diluted or mixed up as they work their way down the organization. And by the time they get to the front lines of the company, the message may be quite different than it was intended or it might not get there at all. And and a lot of times the organizations we're looking at working with or are working with are the ones who are realizing they need a better way to communicate directly to the front lines, directly to the pockets of the employees in their organization, highly distributed teams all over the country, all over the world. How do we remain in contact closely, you know, personally connected with them in such a way they feel known, feel valued, feel seen, feel heard. And so that's number one. Um, Number two, after communications is resources. Do the employees have all the resources they need at their fingertips to do their job well, to do their job to the best of their ability, to be their best and give their best to their customer in that moment of truth? And a lot of times our customers have employees who have you know, 9 million different usernames and passwords for different systems they have to log into. And they have different computer screens for this and a tablet for that and their SOPs are never updated. They're in a big three-ring binder sitting in the back room somewhere and their, their job aids or their training materials are difficult to find. Do they have what they need? And do they have it, again, at their fingertips, in their pockets to access on, off-site, on the job, learn, you know, before they even get to work on their first day how to do their job in such a way that we have kind of reoriented the way we look at learning and development in a 2022 and beyond world. So communications, Do we Are we communicating in the best way possible through front lines to inspire them? Are we able to provide them all the resources they need to be effective and give their best to the client or their, their own clients? And then huddles. Are we providing them the catalyst moment in their day before they go out there and touch the lives of all the customers coming in the door at the hotel or in a healthcare facility where we're orienting their vision in this key moment of the day where we're huddled around in a room together? Around what's most important to the business, what's most important to live out the vision, the values, and purpose of the organization? How are we going to do it? What things are standing in our way today? What things can we do better? What are your ideas to make this place a better experience for our clients and really unlock two way communication, ideation, and problem solving in a way that's transformational to an organization? And what we find time and time again is that process, although it's the most consistent process you see in a variety of organizations, whether you're in food manufacturing, for example, in your background or in hotels, or in healthcare, or, or whatever it may be, it's the most inconsistently executed activity as well. If I ask you to do a huddle with your frontline team at your Marriott location, the Marriott location on the road, we'll do it totally different. And when we have inconsistency, we also have inconsistent results with the way we service our clients. Like you said, coming in the door smiling or not, coming in the door and going through the motions or not. So that's the third thing we, we provide in our enablement. And then the fourth thing is insights. and. Our technology allows us to pull a wide variety of very powerful insights out of the daily behaviors, the engagement, the empowerment of the frontline teams to say, you know, how engaged are they? How often are they accessing critical company documents that make their lives easier? How often are they actually seeing, hearing the messages being promoted down through the organization, past that clay layer, right to the pockets of these employees? Great. We did send the message out, but are they receiving it? Does it seem to be making a difference and impacting them? Are the huddles happening? Are we talking about the right things at the right time to drive the right behaviors that ultimately lead to the right results? And all these things and many more are fed out of the system, out of the behaviors, out of the technology enablement that we offer into this ultimate insights package that our clients can take advantage of to make critical business decisions and coach their people and the leaders out there in the field in different ways. So in the roundabout answer to your question, Deb, our customers that we are working with, people who are looking at working with us, typically are going, we don't have at least two out of four of those things really well right now. We aren't communicating well directly to our people. We aren't providing them everything they need at their fingertips to do their jobs well. and, And our employees or our customers are suffering as a result. Or we're not consistently leading them well from a frontline leadership perspective, using, for example, the huddle process. Or we don't have the insights we need. We know some things are happening, but we don't have the insights we need to be able to do anything different as a leadership team Uh, based on what's happening in real time in our organization.
0: So now I have a much clearer understanding of the gaps that you fill in truly understanding employee engagement and those key leading indicators that may have a direct impact on the consumer. But I have a burning question here because technology is an enabler. And if you have a culture that is not ready or of the right genre, throwing technology at may not be a solution. So what needs to be in place already such that it's an enabler versus exasperating a bad one? Because a lot of people who say, oh, we need to buy a new ERP system in order to run our day-to-day operations. But if people are not communicating already in any form, then you're just going to actually make it worse. So what does the culture need to already be like in order to receive the benefits of your technology?
1: What's interesting is that I would say most people would intuitively go the direction of the front lines, like what, what kind of culture needs to exist to the front lines now? What we see time and time again is that the culture we need is a strong leadership team. A lot of things can be forgiven if your leadership team is strong. And if that leadership team at the core you know headquarters level, corporate level, believes in the message that we're offering, believes in the purpose that, for example, people are your most important asset in your company and that your people should be invested into, that your people must be invested into. And it's not an option, but a requirement to be a great... And again, creating the environment of being an employer of choice means cultivating employees of choice. If that is the mindset of that team, that's kind of the linchpin thing that we need to find first. Once we have that, then we need to be able to tie a strong what's-in-it-for-me answer to a problem that's being... Experienced at the front lines of the organization. No employee shows up to work to do a bad job. No one shows up to lose. No one shows up to have a bad day. And yet, so many times there are latent problems, invisible problems, frustrations that are lurking in the front lines of organizations. The front lines are readily aware of, and maybe even frontline managers are aware of that they go, if you could just solve this, take this away from me, my life would be so much easier. And if you're saying that you have a solution for that problem, I'm all in because this ticks me off every single day. This frustrates me day after day. And so you have these two halves, right? You've got this very engaged leadership team that believes that becoming an employer of choice means cultivating employees of choice and investing in them. And you have the other side of the equation, which is we've found the things that frustrate the front lines. We've spent time with them, hearing their stories, hearing their pain, hearing the problems they face day in, day out. And we've then crafted the vision around the solution we're bringing just show them that this is their idea. If you want to solve this problem, here's a solution for you. And now you want this solution versus us telling you, by the way, we're rolling out a technology solution for you and you're going to like it.
0: So from an approach perspective, I'm getting like so jazzed about this. (laughs) From an approach perspective, who becomes the messenger, the, the evangelist, the advocate for that? Who makes that connection between the strong leadership team And then pulling up the frustration and pain points of the frontline workers and who facilitates the conversation? Do you simply come in and provide the technology and you train the leadership to make the changes or do you come in as a partner and actually make the changes, have the conversations, show the benefits, et cetera? How does that dynamic work?
1: No, it's a wonderful point you're making because (laughs) most people have tried and failed too many times. At, like you say, throwing technology at a problem and and it fails miserably because we haven't done the groundwork that you're mentioning now. We have a very specific, proven, we call it use and transformation management process that involves a very light, simple IT rollout. So we're not burdening the organization with our technology. This isn't a UGRP implementation, as you mentioned. If you have employees who have smartphones, you're done. That's it. They download an app and they're ready to go from a technology perspective. Secondly, we have a, a multi week process where we bring the local leadership team and the senior leadership team at the you know the corporate office, if you will, through the very specific daily structures, behaviors, routines that they will need to be doing differently in order to be successful in this endeavor. That might involve different messaging. It might involve creating on-site moments for that leadership team to visit specifically to locations and tell them what's happening, tell them why it's coming. It might involve creating champions at every location who are then trained in and given that vision and bought into that vision so that then they can go proselytize, if you will, their peers. And you know, you hear it from your peer that you've worked with for two years. It's a lot more exciting than you're hearing it from a random guy like Joel, who you don't know from the hole in the ground. But there's a a very specific proven change management process that we've embedded into our technology rollout where it's inextricably linked. You can't just do the behaviors without technology. You can't just do the technology without the behaviors. And then we embed our own unison communications resource into the organization. So a lot of times people need a transfer amount of time where the things that have to be done are owned by us and then systematically released to them over multiple weeks when it comes to what do you communicate? Why do you communicate it? How often do you reinforce it? Who you communicate it to? And things like that. And lastly, we embed our data and analytics insights team with them to work closely with them to make sure that we're getting the right information out of the system so they can make good decisions.
0: So there is a level of partnership just beyond the deployment. You're part of the deployment and partnership because, you know, you can just throw it over the wall and yes, everybody's been trained on it, but then there are nuances, perhaps customization and further education. And then how do you sustain it and bring other people on? So very helpful. This all sounds amazing. I'm super excited, but I would love to know a story where you work with a client, where were they? And where did they transform into? What was the impact of the work that you did? And I know there's probably many stories. Pick a great one.
1: <laughs> there, there's one in my back pocket that I talk about a lot. And it was actually from my previous life, but it's relevant to the question you're asking. There was a client that I, I worked with very closely. The COO was a dear friend of mine. And he had, I believe he was a Nepalese maintenance worker. And that Nepalese maintenance worker had worked at their facility for many, many years. He was quiet. He kept to himself. He did a good job, but he kind of kept his head down. And no one really knew much about him. He didn't talk much because he couldn't speak English. And so he just did his job, and went home uh, day in and day out. Launching a very similar technology in my previous life, but for the manufacturing sector with translation capability and with the ability for them to share ideas and feedback and issues and resolve things and problem solve and work together collaboratively. It was found out that this wonderful man who had worked there for many years was actually a PhD in his previous life in Nepal, but that didn't really transfer, right? When he left his native country, we didn't really understand it and we didn't really value it and it didn't transfer as a degree the same way as you wish it would. And yet he was a genius. He was a genius when it came to mechanical engineering and repairing equipment. And that's why he was there. That's why he worked there. That's why they kept him on. And yet when they realized that, oh, now he can speak to us. Now he can can unlock, again, his latent potential. This man unfolded. Like a flower, and he began to bring them idea after idea how to make these equi- these pieces of equipment run better. He began to bring them idea after idea how to how to transform their PM processes and things like that and plan maintenance. And he really transformed their entire maintenance department just because they were able to communicate with him differently and and unlock him via the technology, but again the processes. And and the cool part about his story was. He ended up going on vacation. He ended up getting promoted and having all these things happen to him that were, was wonderful for his life. And he ended up going on a, on a hike. And he took his, his personal device where he had the technology on it. And he was staying in contact with his peers, with his team, even when he was gone in a mountaintop somewhere. And he took a picture and, and embedded it into the application and, and showed him and his wife at the top of the mountain. And he said, I'm so grateful to be part of this team. You think about that person versus the head person keeping their, their head down and just doing their job and pushing a button, pulling a lever, and going home. You could not have a different workforce, and and that's the kind of thing that we are unlocking day in and day out. Their clients is seeing their people unfold like a flower, and it's one of the most rewarding things I could ever I could ever see happen.
0: I won't add much to that story, but that is the principle between two of my compass points on the CEO's compass: the past and pride compass point, where one you seek to understand their rich culture and and where they have come from and been successful. And then pride is also their intellectual property for which we need to understand. And while we may not need it now, simply being curious and asking them questions about it, you never know where you may need that at a future time. And in crisis, they will have your back. They will support you because as you said, it unfolded like a flower. So amazing. So your company is amazing. I love what you do. I can't wait to see more about what you do, but you also want to get the word out. You also have a podcast. Tell me more about the frontline industry podcast and how people can find out more about it because it was amazing and I am grateful to have been a guest on it as well.
1: Yes, it was wonderful to have you. Thank you for bringing it up. It's been a lot of fun to really branch out and get to know the C-suite executives and senior leaders of a variety of organizations because what I found out coming out of the manufacturing world was that the principles, like I mentioned, that I had been using for years, my team had been using for years to transform businesses was relevant and applicable to so many others. And I was like, hold on a second. The same problems are being had in manufacturing as they are being had in retail. The same problems are being had in retail as they're being had in healthcare. They're manifest differently, but they're the same problems at the end of the day in a lot of ways. And so what if we could create a a centralized way for all the leaders in these disparate businesses, in disparate verticals of the frontline industries to hear the best practices, hear the leadership principles, hear the wins and the ways to do better, and, and learn from one another in a, in a way that they would never typically talk to each other. I, I think about Greg Creed, the former CEO of Yum Brands, who was on my podcast uh, a couple months ago. A million and a half people of that business. Holy cow, what a legend to talk to and hear from how many of us would normally get to talk to Greg Creed and hear his wisdom on a daily basis? We couldn't. Most people have no access. I hardly have any access. And so hearing Greg Creed and then the VP of Customer Experience at Orlando Health and all these other people from different places and and experiences and yet sharing very amazing insights that are really relevant to our, our lives, that's what the Frontline Industry Podcast is all about. And so whether you're an aspiring leader at the front lines of your organization now looking to, to get a, a catapult forward in your ability to lead effectively and learn from the best, or you're currently a leader in your organization, looking to get better. It's a wonderful place to learn from people way smarter than me. I'm just happy to facilitate those conversations.
0: Uh, I sincerely appreciate that. And I too, I have the great luxury of interviewing so many amazing people, CEOs, founders of companies as well. Like we're here today, gain your insights and bring just something actionable for people to use in their everyday. So This has been an amazing interview. I am grateful. I am looking forward to supporting you and the brand that you have created. Any last thoughts before we bring this to a close?
1: The only thing I would say is, I'll leave you with my two-word phrase that I've lived by in addition to the Lead People Better Newfoundland, and that is disarming authenticity. As a leader, can we be so disarmingly authentic that it breaks down the walls of our people around us and creates the environment for other people to succeed? and create the environment for them to be their authentic selves as well. Strip out the boundaries, strip out the things that keep us from being our fullest selves and making true connection with others. And I think we'll transform the world around us.
0: All right, Joel, you have been an amazing guest. I look so much forward to supporting you. I do wish you and your company continued success. And thank you so much. Thanks, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership